ora tato, it's Penny Ashton here, and welcome along to the first mini-sode for season two of Showy Ovaries. Given that even more of my work has been cancelled and postponed, it does feel good to be doing something yet again, even if that something is just talking to myself in my room. So thank you for listening to me doing that. So, today's mini-sode is actually the menopause speech that I delivered in Parliament, because I am very fancy, where I kicked things off by announcing that I had my period. Ah, the things that you never thought that you would do in your life. I was invited by Ingrid Leary, MP for Tyre and Louisa Wall. It was bloody great, pun intended, to air my menopause manifesto in the hallowed halls of power in the Beehive, even if I was actually in my room in West Auckland on Zoom. I couldn't hear them laughing, which was odd, but they seemed happy, and that's why you can only really hear me as well. So, dear listener, it's as if I was talking to you personally. So settle in and enjoy my 15-minute maiden or maybe matronly speech in Parliament. Tēnā koutou katoa. Welcome to this joint event hosted by Commonwealth Women Parliamentarians. Myself and Nicola Grigg are the co-chairs. We're doing this event with the Interparliamentary Union, of which uh, Louisa Wall is the representative and the New Zealand Parliamentary Group on Population Development. But we want to get the taboo out of the room, so we thought it would be great to have a special guest lighten us up. And I'm going to allow Nicola to introduce her, please. Morning, everyone. It is my great pleasure to introduce Penny Ashton. Penny is a comedian who's done more than 800 shows, Google tells me, which is huge, including um, stand-ups at Edinburgh. And she's a comedian, an actress, a a poet, a panellist on Radio New Zealand, which is a former journalist at Radio New New Zealand. I feel like we've bonded already, Penny. But um, in terms of Penny's podcast extravaganza that she's going to talk us through, she has recently put one out called Showy Ovaries, which talks about the hormonal hocus pocus of menopause. And she's been interviewing ovary owners to pull it together. So look, Penny, no one wants to hear from me. They very much want to hear from you. So the floor is yours. And thank you for joining us. No worries at all. Hello, everybody. Tenakoto katoa. Now, I've got a, I thought about how to do this, but I just think it's a bit easier if I read from my, my pre-prepared speech, which is very exciting. So, uh, I also want to say namihi nui to Ingrid for inviting me along here today to talk about menopause. So, this is the first time I have ever addressed Parliament, and I certainly never thought the first thing that I would do in doing so was to talk about my period straight away. But it's all a bit surreal to be here talking about menopause anyway, uh, mainly because because I am not in it at all. In fact, I have one of my quite reasonably regular periods right now. You're welcome for that information. I think it is really good to get that taboo out absolutely immediately. So when I was first asked, I was questioned if I should be the one to talk to you about it. But then I realized that I am the perfect person in a way to address the fact that we are taught absolutely nothing about it. And so have no idea what to expect before it hits. And it seems to be a learning on the job situation. And of course, now that I have interviewed several women through my podcast, I have earned a lot in quite a very short time. I'm also a big advocate of having zero shame around talking about anything to do with the lumps of flesh that we inhabit daily. The less shame that we have about seeking help when things don't quite function properly, et cetera, or when they do function properly, but we've just never been taught about what to actually expect. So now for those who don't know me, hello, I am a comedian, actor, social commentator, writer, improviser, brand new podcaster, 
wedding celebrant and previous globetrotting musical performer um, from Christchurch, but I've lived in Tamaki Makoto for 22 years now. So I've been quite a staunch feminist for most of my life. And I thought I knew the what sort of the struggles that women had with their health, etc. But I had absolutely no idea to the extent of menopause. And in my mind, it was something that happened to very old women, sort of like Louisa Wall. <laughs> which clearly is utter nonsense because look at her. She's still very fresh faced. So like most people, I knew that you had some hot flushes, maybe some weight gain, and then your period stopped the end. I think they're the symptoms that we all know, because of course they're the ones that you can't hide. Like when you're in a business meeting and you just start dripping or maybe at a high commission breakfast, it's really quite obvious what's going on, but no one's gets talking about the tingling you get in your fingers, the atrophying of your vagina, like atrophy, joint pain, anxiety, panic attacks, lacking libido. We sort of just taught that that's what happens to women. Oh, you just don't like sex anymore. But you know, there could be more to it. Thinning hair, restless legs, itchiness, dry mouth, brain fog, incontinence, arrhythmia, and a whole cavalcade of crap that can accompany menopause. People can't even agree how many symptoms there are. Like some people say 34, some say 40, but basically it's a shitload, excuse me. 60% of women have mild symptoms, 20% have no symptoms, lucky. And then I have a friend and she nearly died from lack of blood. 20% of women can be so beleaguered by their own bodies and a lot of them have absolutely no idea why and then they don't know about the treatments that are available. They get referred for counseling, for antidepressants, when in fact, maybe all they need is estrogen, progesterone, and even testosterone. Though actually testosterone as a treatment for menopause is quite hard to get in New Zealand. For me, it was in 2013 in a Canadian hospital when I first encountered the word perimenopause. I had sprung some sort of leak and I was trying to ascertain from where and what. When this nurse sighed, once the doctor had left the room and said, oh, it's probably perimenopause. They don't understand women generally, so they brush it aside. And I was like, what the hell is perimenopause? I've never heard of that. And also, what the hell is this medical professional, what, this medical profession that a nurse sort of waits till the doctor leaves the room to tell me about it? Some Googling later, I was bloody gobsmacked that I didn't know anything about this. Even in my Christchurch Catholic primary school, I'm somewhat lapsed now, in the 80s, I got sex education and puberty information. So why not at least some idea about menopause, like in my seventh form biology class, at the very least? And once I learned about it, and now that I'm 47, it's a bit like a horror film. So you're like, you know something, you're like, is that, is that it? Like, is that it? It's like, you know, in a horror film when the strings are ratcheting up and you, you know something's about to happen soon and it'll probably involve blood, but you just have no idea what. My cycle is changing a little and I got really hot. I did a wedding before lockdown and I was really hot. And then the, the, um, the groom's mother came up to me and said, oh, but you're menopausal, aren't you? And I was like, I don't, it's just, we're in a conservatory and the sun came out and I'm wearing synthetic fabrics. So I don't know, I'm not sure, but at least I know that when it does happen, I will, I'm, at least I now know what it is. And if it does happen, hopefully I will have empathy for myself and for others as well when I see it in them. And I know a lot more about it now because I have started this podcast, which is why I am here. 
Ingrid heard me talking about it on Radio New Zealand's panel, and here we all are. So I live in Auckland and have lost many thousands of dollars of work in this lockdown, but I also have to say thank you very much for the subsidies because they have completely kept me afloat and have actually been amazing. But I also needed something to do because I was deeply bored and annoying my husband who was working from home. So I had pitched this idea as a podcast to Radio New Zealand and some other places and had been rudely turned down. Outrageous, which I think is actually sort of indicative of the approach to women's health. Like there's no podcast on Radio New Zealand that I could see that's significantly around women's health. So anyway, I decided to go it alone. So it's called showy ovaries because an ultrasound technician once told me that I had very showy ovaries, uh, which I thought was a bit weird. I didn't really know what that meant. I mean, I am fond of jazz hands. So it's like, maybe I've got jazzy, jazzy ovaries, but um, anyway, so I only launched it on October the 18th just seven weeks ago on World Menopause Day. And I didn't even know that was a thing. So I have to say, I find it pretty funny that I'm here today, but it has gone really well. I've had nearly 2000 downloads in that time and a ton of comments from women going, oh my God, I had no idea, which is so gratifying because I want to help any woman or trans man that I can or trans person. The idea is I interview women and other owners of ovaries about their journeys. So, so far I have interviewed Jennifer Ward-Leland, Michelle A. Court, Pinky Agnew, Dr. Ella Henry, Tusiata Avia, Anjan Rahman, and George Fowler, to name a few. And every journey is so unique and educational. So I thought I'd give you some bullet points, highlights from the various people I have interviewed. So Ella Henry had one hot flash, that was it, and she was done. George, who is a trans man, went through female menopause and male puberty at the same time once he started testosterone, which sounds like an utter trip. And fun fact, once he starts taking the higher levels of testosterone required to transition, it completely takes over from the estrogen. How surprising. Look at that. Anna Sophia became addicted to cake swapped floral frocks for black track pants for like a year and a half, couldn't function mentally and basically went a bit bonkers. Jane Caro soaked through a super tampon and a maxi pad every 10 minutes when she was going through perimenopause. Pinky Agnew, and I'm changing a word here, said she was just absolutely ducking furious all the time. Anjan Rahman went to the doctor at 51 with depression symptoms and menopause was never mentioned. And Carolyn Harris, who is a Welsh MP, thought that she was having a nervous breakdown as a response to the fact that her son died in 1989 because it had to be something that she had done wrong in her life, which was just like, get a bit, ooh, talking about that. But with HRT, that went away. <clears throat> One thing I have noticed, God, look at me. I was like, oh, it's not even happening to me. One thing I have noticed is as soon as you start the conversation, women want to tell you all about it. I did a poem about it at WOMAD in 2020, just before lockdown, which was quite terrifying being at WOMAD just before lockdown. And women came up to me afterwards to share their tales of their dry vaginas. Just, hello, Penny, I've got a dry vagina. <laughs> They're hungry to share and we just need to remove the shame. And menopause is definitely having a moment. Nikki Pellegrino and Nikki Bizant both have menopause books coming out in January. We're seeing op-eds pop up much more often. Rod Stewart just announced that all men should have menopause lessons because his wife, the excellently named Penny Lancaster, was going through it. She was throwing saucepans at him and they nearly divorced till she figured out that was the problem and started on HRT. Aforementioned Carolyn Harris, deputy leader of Welsh Labour, who is a delight, 
and Deeply Honest, who I interviewed on Friday, is pushing a menopause revolution there to make meds more affordable and education better for GPs and the like. So I asked a friend who is 48 what training in the 90s was like, to which she replied, I got shit all training on menopause. I tweeted a question to recent grads last night and was told that it is covered one guy had it in a one to two hour tutorial. Some others saying it has got a bit more focus, but generally six years of training to cover the body is never enough. But I would argue if it's something that happens to 51% of the population, it should be something that gets maybe a little more focus. And as Carolyn said, it's all well and good for middle-class women who have time to listen to podcasts and better access to the internet and specialist doctors, etc., to learn about menopause, but we have to make access to the information equitable and also understand cultural approaches with some women finding it harder to speak out and to seek help, which is why, of course, we need different cultures reflected in the entire medical profession itself. Women give birth to the world. Women grow the world inside their bodies. They nourish through their breasts. Women literally sow the seeds of the world through their ovaries every month, just in case some sperm arrives, because he had a good time or a very interesting time in a cubicle with a magazine and then bleeds it all away if no fertilization occurs, but go through such profound change if it does. And once we are no longer fertile or fecund, which is one of my favorite words, fecund, our body shuts up shop. The only other animals that do this are whales. Some whales, not all whales, some. And there is some research being done to suggest that this is how civilization grew. No longer fertile grandmothers helping to raise children contributed to their survival. So not only are we responsible for growing life, we are responsible for the whole of ducking civilization. But in this process, our estrogen dries up and so does our body. Estrogen lubricates our joints, our brains, our vaginas, our horniness, our saliva. It helps prevent heart disease and osteoporosis and so much more. Yet in this very process of populating humanity, we have, it has been historically used to hold women back, to not employ them in case they get pregnant, to shame them if their period causes absence, and the hitherto unaddressed issue of menopausal women leaving the workplace due to symptoms they often don't know the origin of or are too embarrassed to discuss. So how many women are resigning right now? When we have record unemployment and issues recruiting due to the justifiable border restrictions, women who often after menopause get surges of energy and come back with a vengeance, how many are we losing from the workforce because they're not being met with empathy? Because they want to talk about, they don't want to talk about why they've dashed the bathroom, why they're soaked in sweat, or why they've snapped perhaps too quickly at a colleague. So I think it is fabulous that we're all here today to talk about it, because shining a light on the issue will illuminate it for all. Normalizing women's bodies while celebrating the magic that they, well, not me, I've never wanted children, but other people, well done. It's important to normalize it in any workforce. Removing shame will remove barriers to healthy outcomes, and education is, as always, the key to better understanding. We've come a long way from when doctors tried to treat menopause by putting leeches on labias and clitorectomies. Clitorectomies! I wonder how many maladies they have tried to treat by chopping some penises off. Hmm, I wonder, but we are not done yet. I know that for myself, just a few months of intense research has me much calmer about what might happen to me. And the more we know, the more empathy we can have for ourselves and anyone else. So I shall leave you with a few great quotes. First of all, Dolly Parton. I don't think about my life in terms of numbers. I gotta do it like this. First of all, I ain't never gonna be old because I ain't got time to be old. I ain't got, I ain't, I can't stop long enough to grow old, Dolly Parton. And then from Michelle Obama, 
The changes, the highs and lows, and the hormonal shifts, there is power in that. But we were taught to be ashamed of it and to not even seek to understand it or explore it for our own edification, let alone help the next generation. So Parliament, let's help the next generation. Let's celebrate our age and menopause because a lot of women would love to have gone through it, but were taken too early. So in respect to them, let's join this menopause revolution and kick any discrimination around it to the curb and tell it to duck off. Thank you very much. Na mihi nui. Here endeth my parliamentary debut. Yeah, I can't actually hear you at all. It's been very weird doing this to no laughter, but I'll cope. Um, yes, this is my debut, which is slightly less famous than the one that happened yesterday. <laughs> but anyway, and check out Showy Ovaries. Uh, and also, I'm doing a show in Wellington because I'm self-employed and I need to get myself out there. In November next year, it's called Olive Copperbottom and it's a Dickensian musical, which is the time where they put leeches on labias and things like that. So anyway, yes, thank you very much. You're right. Thank you so much, Louisa. I'm just introducing, um, sorry, thank you so much, Penny, Louisa. It's all right. So there you have it, my parliamentary debut. Though, as I said in the first episode of this season, I actually believe I have started some typical perimenopause symptoms since doing the speech. So I am like a witch. I have invoked menopause in myself. For those interested, my period, or as I now like to call it, my cosking, because it goes on and on and on and on, is becoming more erratic, and in breaking news for VNN, Vagina News Network, the discomfort in my lady portal is still there, and it actually seems quite cyclically based. So I am on week one of Ovestin and estrogen cream. Doesn't seem to have made enormous difference just yet, but stand by for more regular updates, though I will be taking no questions from Barry Soper. Now, apologies to international listeners. These are very annoying men in the New Zealand media that I keep referring to. In the meantime, stay juicy one and all, and I'll see you next time for episode two of Showy Ovaries with the fantabulous Me Too Project Crusader, Alison Moore.